0: Warning, the following program contains content communists will find offensive. Good.
1: How do we fight back? I get that question a lot. Well, to be honest, I answer that question a lot on my TV show, my radio show, but let's, let's have a talk about it. How do we fight back? Because the right, to its credit... To its credit, the right is finally starting to realize what we've been doing against the communists has not worked. Is not working. We are losing. We are now surrounded. And let's just acknowledge this real quickly before we get into canceling cancel culture and how we take that on and what we're supposed to do. We are surrounded. Now... You can say this to yourself maybe say it to your friends maybe you say it to your family members maybe you say oh we need to sign the majority we got the numbers stop with that yes there are tens of millions of americans who think exactly like you think they they control every single cultural institution now we are surrounded and while I do believe we can see victory in the end, don't you dare make this mistake of thinking, oh, we're going to have a good midterm, and then it's on. Oh, we have so much more work to do than Congress and the presidency. We have a million miles to go. As I have said before, and I will keep saying it again, this sounds like bad news, it's actually good news. You will never be alive to see vital victory over the American communist. I don't care how old you are. I know we have a bunch of kids who watch the show, a bunch of older folks who watch the show. It's taken them 100 years to get here. It will take us at least 100 to get it back. Now, that's not bad news. That's good news. Put final victory out of your mind. You, you have to learn to love the fight. You have to learn to love the struggle. I love the struggle. I'm enjoying myself. Find a way to enjoy it. Now, let's talk about fighting back and what fighting back looks like because for years this is what the right has done this is how we lost the culture for years i want you to picture this i want you to picture your favorite car maybe it's the car you have now maybe you had some special one that meant a lot to you when when you were a kid but i want you to picture your favorite car all right you got it all right you're standing there by your favorite car and there are three people around your car And all three of them have in their hand some lighter fluid and a lighter. And they're all wanting to burn your car. This is what the right has done for years. Run up to the first guy who's trying to light the car on fire and say, no, no. Maybe slap the lighter out of his hand. And then run over to the second guy and say, no, quit that. Stop, no. And then run over to the third guy, no how's that going to end eventually if that's what you do my car's going up in flames just is you didn't push anyone back you didn't get anyone away you didn't gain any ground you looked really really nonviolent and nice no guys look nice it looked very very uh, you're very uh, your values are incredible boy very very principled very admirable and yet your car is still on fire you have to run up to the first one and sock him in the face so he doesn't get up. And then you run up to the second one and sock him in the face so he never gets up. And then run up to the third one and sock him in the face so he never gets up. And then you know what you do? You get in your unburnt car and you drive away. That's how you have to fight the game now. That's how you have to play. That's how you fight against cancel culture. Forever the right has done this with cancel culture. No, I hate cancel culture. Don't, don't let him do it. No. Oh, dang. They got another one. Oh, okay. Well, no more though, okay, guys? It's really bad. Are we done with it? We're No. Oh, they got another one. Dang. For some reason, years and years and years of the right saying no has not woken up the communists to how evil they are. And it's funny how that worked. The communists never once, not one of them, ever woke up one morning and said, oh, you know silencing my enemies, tossing them their jobs, ruining their lives. I'm looking at how the right has said no and I feel bad now. I'm changing my ways. Not once has the communist ever said that. But you can find examples of people on the left or formerly on the left who will step up and whine about cancel culture. Why? When did they do that? What would prompt them to do that? When the knock comes on their door when the wolves show up. As soon as they start getting canceled for something they said that was wrong, then all of a sudden they wake up. Now that has to serve as a lesson to you, a lesson to me, a lesson to all of us. Stop shunning cancel culture. You hate cancel culture? Good, so do I. It sucks, terrible. Okay? Learn to embrace it. Learn to play the game. The communist doesn't fear you saying no. The communist most definitely does not admire your virtue. The communist only understands fear. Until you make him afraid to cancel you, he's never gonna stop canceling you. If you're mad about cancel culture, go find the person, usually a journalist somewhere, a journalist somewhere, canceling someone you don't like, and cancel them, get them fired go after their advertisers, do all the things to them they're doing to someone else. Oh, but that's vengeful. We should, we should turn the other cheek. I'm so sick of that Americanized, whiny version of Christianity that's not even real. No, you better fight them off or just let them burn the daggone car. I mean, you're, you're, you've been watching what's happening with Joe Rogan. <laughs> what do you want me to say? At this point in time, I think I'm done talking about it. Why am I done talking about it? He keeps apologizing. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry about this.
2: I'm sorry about that. I'm really sorry. Hello, friends. Um, I'm making this video to talk about the most regretful and shameful thing that I've ever had to talk about publicly. There's a video that's out that's a compilation of me saying the N-word. It's a video that's made of clips taken out of context of me of 12 years of conversations on my podcast and it's all smushed together and it looks horrible, even to me. Now, I know that to most people, there is no context where a white person is ever allowed to say that word, never mind publicly on a podcast. And I agree with that now. I haven't said it in years, but it's not my word to use. I'm well aware of that now. But for years, I used it in that manner. I never used it to be racist. Because I'm not racist. Joe, they're not coming for
1: you because they think you're a racist. They're coming for you because you keep apologizing to them and they think they're going to be able to finish you off. You don't put up a video apologizing when the communists come for you. You put up a video saying, I'm coming for you now. Get ready for you to be canceled now. That is the game we have to play. You cannot apologize to these people. These are the worst, most evil people in the history of the planet. They have no interest in living with you and improving your home. We don't just have a difference of opinion. They want to burn down and destroy every single thing you care about. Every single thing you value, they want to burn it to ash. That is the values of the, of the people you're up against. They don't care about your apology. They do, however, love your weakness. They love your good nature. I'll, I'll turn the other cheek. I want to look good. They eat that up. Stop. Turn. Turn your plows into swords and take them back at the communists. Remember those Nazi idiots or even if they were, they're probably feds standing by the side of the road, ten idiots in Florida. You remember this? White power. You two. White power. White power Hey uh
2: America's power, what we
3: Six million viewers.
0: White pride's when you think it white power is when you live it. You can shove that finger up
1: your rabbi's He's a Jew. He's a Jew. Look at him. Okay. What would be the standard for the right after a video like that comes out? The standard would be this. And you probably watched this over four years of Trump's presidency. Trump himself sadly was guilty of this. You would watch the right be asked by every single media person, do you denounce that? Do you denounce those Nazis? Do you denounce white supremacy? I believe i asked i believe i watched donald trump answer that question approximately nine thousand times during the course of his presidency why are you doing that why are you allowing them to associate nazis with you you don't say no i don't i don't like white supremacists you don't say i denounce nazism i would hope that's pretty much built in for everybody When they ask you, do you denounce Nazism and these white supremacists, you say, do you denounce pedophilia? Are you still touching kids? If that sounds ugly to you, that's because it is ugly. It is. Welcome to real world. Welcome to the life we live now. Gotta know what time it is. These are the people we're up against. All right. We have much more ahead in the show. get ready for a great special.
3: Well, I admit,
1: I'm out of ideas for what to do about Joe Rogan. I'm, I'm officially out of ideas. I'm out of ideas? What to do about Joe Rogan? What What does she think she has to do about Joe Rogan? Joining me now is my friend Dave Rubin, of course, with The Rubin Report, which everyone knows, and author of Don't Burn This Country, Surviving and Thriving in Our Woke <laughs> Dystopia.
0: Uh, Dave, mm-hmm.
1: What do they think they have to do to Joe Rogan and why?
0: Drone strikes, perhaps? Wouldn't that take <laughs> care of it? It's so patently ridiculous, Jesse. These people who pretend that they're defending truth, right? They pretend that they are defending the pillar of journalism, when in fact all they're trying to do is take out the knees of a guy who has become bigger than them. Joe Rogan is a comedian and now you know, long-form interviewer, who basically accidentally became bigger than all of the mainstream corporate press over the last couple of years. So when she's saying, well, what can we do about him? What what else can we do? Or when Stelter or Acosta, when they're you know repeatedly uh, talking about how Rogan said the N-word, rarely ever giving the context of how he was making fun of people who say it pejoratively, or he was just repeating what someone else said or whatever, it's because they're trying to take out the competition. This is a mafia move. By CNN and New York Times and Washington Post and everything else because long-form conversation and the idea that, hey, the margins are a little bit messy and we don't all know everything but we're allowed to question mandates and we're allowed to question the government and we're allowed to question even CNN, that's very scary to these people.
1: Dave, one thing I found interesting was the whole Trevor Noah aspect to this. Trevor Noah previously had said hey, you know, hey, don't, uh, don't cancel me, Rogan actually even came to his defense, and, well, here's a video. What I found particularly
4: illuminating is, is, is when he says, I wasn't being racist, I was just being entertaining. No, Joe, I think you were using racism to be entertaining. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying you were trying to offend black people, by the way, but you knew that offending black people would get a laugh out of those white friends that you were with.
1: Man, that guy's voice would be hard to listen to for any extended period of time. But setting that aside, Dave, I do enjoy when they get eaten eventually because why can't they see this whole woke thing? I call it communism because that's what it is. Why can't they see that the wolves come for all of them one day? It destroys all. Trevor Noah will go down one day too.
0: Well, they can't see it because basically they're so far up their own butt. Can I say that here? Uh, That they can't. Yeah, that they can't see anything other than what's right in front of them in that, in that moment. Uh, as you alluded to, Trevor Noah has a long history of sort of over-the-top Jew jokes. Now, I don't care about that. You're not going to believe this. Most Jews don't care either because humor mm-hmm. is one of the things that have kept these people going for about 5,000 years. Ask Mel Brooks a little something about that. And when the mob was going after Trevor Noah about these jokes, which, by the way, were far more offensive than anything that Joe Rogan said... Um, from a from a fairly, I think, honest perspective, because they were jokes going after people while Rogan was just saying a word often in, in repetition of someone else's words. Uh, Rogan offered a defense. That was your point. Rogan offered a defense and basically said, Trevor Noah, don't apologize. Now flash forward five years later and it's like Trevor Noah is going after Rogan when he knows Rogan's not uh, a racist in any way. But Trevor Noah, do you make gay jokes? Trevor Noah, I'm pretty sure. Jesse, you've got cracked researchers. I'm pretty sure we could find some gay jokes that Trevor Noah has made. There are some Jew jokes that Trevor Noah has made. Why is he making jokes about these minorities who have been oppressed in the past? I'm sure he's made some jokes about Asian people and about all sorts of other people. So, look, wokeism destroys the mind. Um, it, it actually destroys the ability to critically think, and they all become horrible. And why is it that the most woke people are often the people that have been in blackface, Howard Stern and Jimmy Kimmel, and uh, Jimmy Fallon and the rest of these guys, it's because they're covering their own guilt. I'm not guilty for anything I've said in the past. I've made mistakes in the past. And as Jordan Peterson says, you know, if you have something honestly to apologize for, you should apologize. But once you apologize for something that you should not apologize for, man, they got you forever. Dave,
1: can you help me explain? I've tried to tell people on the right that just saying I won't participate in cancel culture That is not good enough. That's how we got here. They're not—they're not looking at your your pristine example and saying, "Wow, that is a better way to go." They look at it as weakness. And people on the right, understandably, have a hard time coming around to the fact you're going to have to get a lot more aggressive and play offense because that's all these people know.
0: You've been one of the leading voices on this, and it's a position that I've come closer to than I was, say, two years ago. I thought for a while, and maybe it was my own naivete. I thought for a while that if you just expose the hypocrisy, if you show that they are the ones who are usually in blackface, that they are the ones who make all of the, you know, gay jokes or whatever else is supposed to be thought of as insensitive, uh, that enough people would be like, boy, you know, these really are the bad people and maybe we should give everyone a break because it turns out we kind of like bad people and jokes are just jokes and, you know, Don Rickles used to make fun of everybody and that's actually what brought Mm -hmm. us together as Americans. So there was a spirit of that that I think think maybe could have worked. But I think perhaps what I was blind to that you saw a little bit earlier was how profoundly radical these people are. They are here to destroy the whole damn thing so that they can usher in the flag that you have behind you. They want to usher in communism. And again, we can whittle it down between wokeism and communism and socialism and all that. Let's just put that aside for a second. It really doesn't matter. They are here to destroy the entire thing, which is why they're taking down monuments. They're canceling shows. I mean, look at it this way. The people who purport... To be the tolerant ones, got rid of Uncle Ben and Aunt Jemima. That means that the people who <laughs> say that they're the tolerance, they took the black people off the products that we all loved. I've got Uncle Ben's boxes downstairs, okay? Aunt Jemima, who didn't like Aunt Jemima? So you would think, wouldn't it be the white supremacists who would take the black people off the boxes of the products that we like? No, no, no. It's the oh-so-tolerant wokesters. They are here to destroy everything, so they can usher in a new world. So that's our—that's literally our foods. What happened to the Lando Lakes girl? Uh, it's our—it's our institutions that are all crumbling. It's—it's it's the whole damn thing. And I think you're right. We have to. Well, there's two things we can do. It's the punchback, which I think you're completely right about. But then it's also just build separate structures at every level. I mean, completely build a parallel economy and a parallel society, and do not let their noxious views in.
1: Dave, I'm glad you brought that up because I've been struggling with this and I'll tell you that's where I am as well. I I, I don't... I don't see a lot of these things to be fixable i don't want to be a debbie downer but we have to come up with practical things for people here i think we should have our own universities i think we should have our own publishing houses i i I know there are a lot of people who are trying this and i think we should have our own online hosting places we we have to build our own places and frankly not just build our own places say sorry communists you're not allowed in these are our places you have everything else go
0: Yeah, look, the slippery part of that will be that once we put that gate there and say, hey, you people can't come here, we have to be very careful that we don't become what they are, right? You know, if you stare into the abyss long enough, you might be a little upset by what you see. I got that roughly right. Um, So that is the part, of course, that we have to worry about. That being said, you know, those of us that are freedom-minded, that are willing to agree to disagree and not care about the color of someone's skin or that sort of thing, we will build much better products. I mean, the beauty here is if we can just survive through this really confused, muddled time that we're in right now, their products will become worse over time because they will hire engineers based on gender identity and they will hire all sorts of other people in all sorts of organizations, professors, doctors, et cetera, who are not the best at their craft, but who are were hired for other reasons. And once you do that over time, you will actually degrade the quality of those institutions. And if we just say, hey, I know this is old school, but I don't care whether you're a man or a woman, gay or straight, black or white, but if you can do the job, we're going to hire you. We'll build better things.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, we win in the end. I like that. You know, we're ending on that. Dave Rubin, everybody. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate you, brother.
0: Look at us going out positively. What's going on here? (laughs) (laughs) Woo-hoo.
1: Just a couple of positive dudes. All right, joining me next is Kevin Sorbo, of course, the great actor. Hang on. Joining me now, actor, author, director, Kevin Sorbo. Obviously, doesn't need any introduction from me. Kevin... <sighs> cancel culture it's it's all the rage these days this guy should be fired this guy had a tweet i didn't like when he was 12 years old this guy had an email this guy had a uh, tell me your experience with it
3: well i got a permanent ban from linkedin recently and i had uh facebook took me down about nine months ago for posting the truth you know what's funny about facebook the stuff they took me down for i can say today but back then you couldn't talk anything about mask wearing or, you know, uh, hey, hey, there's a 99.7% chance of recovery if you get COVID. Uh, but you know, this is amazing. Look, I started losing jobs about three years ago. I mean, I was supposed to do an autograph show up in Thunder Bay, Ontario in Canada. And then um, they found out, a couple of uh, Native American Canadians found out that I said, hey, if you come across the border and you wanna live in America, just do it legally like everybody else. But apparently that was a horrible thing to say. So it freaked (laughs) out the people there and they canceled. So they're able to make you and I lose work now. I wanna meet these people that are so amazingly perfect that have led completely sinless lives. They're, They're like the most perfect people in the world that they can go after me because we need to learn from these people how to be as amazing as they are.
1: Okay, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is just that thing that sends you a thousand emails every day. So-and-so looked at your, what did you do on LinkedIn?
3: I think I posted a story about a woman who said she killed her dog because her dog had COVID and didn't want the COVID being spread to her family. And I said, can you believe this? I hope this is not a true story, but that was enough for them to say uh, that you can't post that. And they took me down.
1: Good grief. Yep. All right, well, I mean, look, obviously you're a Hollywood guy, or that, that's how everyone knows you. Everyone grew up, well, at least I did, watching Hercules on TV. It's Kevin Sorbo. Uh, surely this has cost you some serious acting gigs in Hollywood, your stances on things.
3: Oh, no question. No question about, it. oh, there's Lucy Lawless. I gave her her career. Anyway, um, it, it was... Uh It was interesting to find out from my agent and manager about a dozen years ago when they said, um, we can't work with you anymore because of the things that you were saying. And I go, what do you mean the things that I'm saying? Well, you know, you're Christian, you're conservative. And I went, wow, you guys are the ones that scream for tolerance and freedom of speech. But... As we know, Jesse, that's a one-way street in Hollywood, and it's a one-way street for most liberals, really, which is amazing to me. And look what they're doing to our country right now. I mean, they, they want to turn us into the Soviet Union circa 1950. It's really, it's just quite sad what's going on. People are ignorant, they're uneducated, and I think they're just stupid. Kevin, I hear from people on the
1: right, and they say this a lot. Uh, some, a lot of people are guilty of this. Well, uh, no one cares what the actor thinks. No one cares about the movies. I actually don't agree with it. I think, I think entertainment is a critical part of every culture, whether it's Roman plays or our movies today. I think it's an important part of, of how we give our values out. I grew up, I watched John Wayne movies with my dad. You can love that or hate that. It was good guy fighting bad guy, bravery, good versus evil. That's, that's, that's the theme I grew up with. They're not putting out movies like that a lot anymore. W- when did that change?
3: I think the 1960s changed things a lot. I think the Vietnam War, the, the, the free love, the hippie movement, all those kind of things combined uh, really started changing. We didn't have a, 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 a rating system for movies until the 60s. It was always like a G or a PG without being said it was a G or PG. But things got, you know, movies got more violence, so the PG-13 happened and R happened and uh you know that that sort of changed things quite a bit and what's amazing to me is that hollywood started out pretty conservative um the warner brothers you know warner studio that was a conservative group of guys that started that whole industry but um the 60s definitely changed things along and um it's just gotten worse i mean you see what's on tv now back in the 1950s uh, walt disney said that um television movies will influence our youth and boy, has it influenced our youth because you see the movies coming out of hollywood over the last 20 years for sure, violence, hatred, divisiveness, all this stuff is going out there. I do movies that have the opposite. I do movies that have hope, redemption, faith, love, laughter, things that Hollywood's not doing. Andrew Breitbart said it, right? Politics is downstream from culture. Who runs the culture? Hollywood and the mainstream media, of course they do. And, they, and Hollywood, trust me, has a hold on Washington, D.C., as, as we all know they do. And uh, I'm just trying to do movies that have more positive influence and say that you know what it isn't it can, life can be great. Life is a choice if you want to be miserable the rest of your life. And uh, I'm trying to do movies that show people that uh, hey, why don't we uh, have movies that we can relate to? Spider-Man's great, but it's 60% visual effects. It's a roller coaster ride. You don't care about the people. I watched Avengers. 12 buildings just came down in New York City. Two million people die, but nobody talks about that, you know? So it's just weird. It's just weird what's going on there right now, but they're gonna keep pumping out those movies. I'm gonna keep doing the movies I do, try to fight that culture that they're trying to destroy.
1: I love it. And when I talk to guys like you or my or my buddy Nick Cersei or these guys who are wading into this and creating movies with good messages behind them, what I love is at least Nick tells me this, and tell me if this is wrong. The market's good. People are gobbling this stuff up. People are hungry for these movies right now. I, I, and look, I'll tell you, i have you know we were just talked a couple weekends ago. I got an 11-year-old and 13-year-old. I want to take my sons to the movies. I, I want to be able to take my kids to the movies. That's an experience a dad I think should have with his kids. We go to these kind of films all the time. Are, are you finding there's a real appetite for it?
3: There's 80 million homes out there that want the kind of movies that I do and when Nick does. There's 80 million homes out there, and Hollywood is totally dissing that because of their ideology it's amazing to me because it is called show business not show show you cannot tell me they can they can espouse all they want about saying oh we believe in this social issue and that social issue don't let that fool you they are a capitalist business universal and paramount want to make money so the battle is on there to kind of make that happen look i did a movie called let there be light that sean hannity funded let the blade open four years ago it did very very well we're actually number two per screen average up against a 300 million dollar Thor Ragnarok movie we're a three million dollar movie which probably didn't even cover the catering budget on Thor Ragnarok and yet I get a call from Netflix after opening weekend saying hey We see that you are following in this world. We want to make more movies like that. We want to get open an inspirational division here at Netflix. Well, I had four in-person meetings with those guys in Hollywood. I thought they went well, and yet here we are another three years later, and they've done nothing. And it blows my mind. That their ideology towards Christians. It's actually worse being a Christian in Hollywood than being a conservative, you can believe that. It's just, this is a weird thing that's going on and I don't get it. I get stopped all the time through hotel lobbies and airports and people don't talk about Hercules anymore. You mentioned it, but people talk about, hey, I loved you and Soul Surfer and God's Not Dead and What If and Let There Be Light. Please make more movies like that. Our problem is when they do these $300 million Thor movies and Avenger movies, they have $100 million to promote them so that's on a trailers on every sporting event every daytime soap opera so people know of it and they're aware of it we don't have that kind of money to put trailers out there we have to rely on word of mouth we have to rely on making calls to people that we know and say hey can you get out to this community that this movie's coming out that's the battle we got and i'm not doing well with me it's just a it's just a it's a financial fact that we have a we have a bigger hill to climb than what hollywood does
1: I will say, personally, as a family, we loved God's Not Dead. I think we watched it four or five times together. It was a great film. Highly recommend it to people. All right, well, we're talking about how we fight back against these people. You just mentioned the budgeting problem, and this is, again, a consistent theme I hear from my show business friends who are trying to put the right thing together. Do we not have rich Republicans in this country? Tell me what's going on.
3: I don't understand where the the disconnect is. I don't understand it either. Look, I play a lot of uh, charity golf events, celebrity golf events. I've met wealthy, you know, billionaire guys I've golfed with. They'll give $9 million out to say a Rick Santorum. Well, Rick Santorum didn't give it elected, right? And where did that $9 million go? Didn't do anything. $9 million in my hand, not only would we make two to three good movies out of that, they'll get 10% back on their money and they'll own 50% of a movie that will be out there forever, theatrically, streaming, DVDs, whatever it may be. So to me, it's like, guys, we do have a culture battle going on and we need to start doing stuff. Yeah, it's a risky business, but if you do movies under $5 million, much better chance of making your money back than doing a movie that's 10, 20, 30, $100 million. So to me, it's like, guys, we need to wake up Because the movies I do, trust me, will reach more people and change more people than the the politicians are doing in Washington, D.C. right now. I love it. That's
1: how we fight back. Kevin, thank you so much, my brother. Keep doing it.
3: Thanks. Go to SorboStudios.com. SorboStudios.com. And you, Jesse, have to watch What If? Better movie than God's Not Dead. What if?
1: I have not seen it. I will do that. SorboStudios.com. I will. Thank you, brother. Thanks, guys. Good dude, right there. All right, my buddy Robbie Starbuck joins us next. There's a state of emergency in place in Ottawa, where the police chief says COVID protests are a quote nationwide insurrection, driven by madness. Thousands of Canadians, you see the pictures, they are protesting vaccine mandates. It started with a so-called freedom convoy, led by truckers protesting a new mandate requiring vaccines in order to enter the country. CNN's Paula Newton live for us now in Ottawa with the latest. Remarkable protests, Paula. Absolutely remarkable. I mean, just think of the language. I know it sounds familiar to you, right? A threat to democracy, an insurrection, sedition. Man, that does sound so familiar. Hmm, can't think of where I heard that before. Joining me now is my friend Robbie Starbuck. He is a America first Republican running in a primary in Tennessee. And I just want to say I wholeheartedly support him. Go vote for him. Go donate donate to his campaign. Robbie, first and foremost, insurrection and sedition. Gosh, it seems like it seems like I've heard that here in America before. Yep. I mean, it's
4: it's kind of remarkable. We, it seems like the left falls in love with words and then they can't stop using them. And this is one of them. I yeah. feel like everything's going to be an insurrection, kind of like everything is racist now. Um, so yeah. the truth is they're all shaking in their boots. You know, this protest is the first protest that has occurred. And I think you agree with me on this throughout the entirety of COVID that really has teeth, that really scares mm-hmm. them because... Farmers and truckers, these are not just like, it's not some, you know, phrase you use on a campaign trail saying they're the backbone of our country. No, like our country legitimately does not function without them, period. And you look around you in whatever room you're in watching this right now, everything in your room right now was at some point on a truck. Imagine those trucks just shutting down. And it's something that they fear because truthfully, these people have the power to bring down governments and it's why we're seeing the reaction we're seeing in canada where i do think and i i think you'll agree with me on this i think they're going to go a lot further and it's going to become very dystopian very fast in how they go after these brave truckers
1: Robbie, how does that play out on social media? Let's be honest, social media is mega, mega powerful today. And it's not 1950. Shoot, it's not even 1990. You can't keep a lid on everything today. How does that look if Canada starts pummeling protesters into a bloody pulp for not wanting vaccine mandates?
4: It's going to be brutal. And I think that actually speaks to just how important and dangerous these protests are to the global elite, because they're looking at this, they have to understand what the negatives are going to look like. I mean, you already see 85 year old man that was arrested pretty brutally just yesterday in Canada. This is going to become more of the norm, in my opinion. And I think that they're willing to take this risk because of how dangerous it is. If you see this happen all over the world, you're talking about the ability of the people to uproot governments everywhere. This is what tyrants fear the most, is people exacting their actual power to then take the power back for the people. Going out and protesting for one day in D.C., doing the, you know, remember the pink hat march that the women's march did when Trump was, that stuff doesn't really move the needle. It really doesn't. You can get a bunch of angry people somewhere one day, but when you blockade and you stop trade and you stop where the trucks are bringing the food in, suddenly things get very hairy very fast. And I think that this is something that I really hope we see replicated in the U.S. I am willing to eat Top Ramen or go shoot some deer on my property in order to make sure my family's, you know, all good during it. But I'm willing to take whatever hit is necessary to make sure that we get to a place where we bring freedom back to the West. And that is only going to happen as a result of protests like this.
1: Yeah, that's true. All right, Robbie, I know you're passionate about Major League Baseball, and I tell you, The condition of our professional sports league saddens me because I grew up geeking out on this, watching hoops, watching the NFL, watching Major League Baseball, and they all suck now. Apparently, there's a vaccine booster mandate for managers.
4: Yeah, so this is something... I mean, I can't tell you how many Major League players and big stars have reached out to me, and something really interesting is going to happen if Major League Baseball does not turn around on this and end the mandate because players are incensed. These coaches are some of their former you know, teammates and not just some of their former teammates, some of them are their mentors and they care deeply about these people. They're people who they believe they wouldn't be in the position they're in now as these, you know, $100 million contracts go out had they not had this coach in their minor league upbringing. So this is a really important issue, not just to those coaches and on-field trainers and staff, but also to the players who are in the major leagues who look at this and they say, this is not a company I wanna work for. We need to stand up. And I've been really pleasantly surprised. I mean, some people who are in the major leagues have openly retweeted what I put out there, um, like Derek Holland and others but there's actual players organizing right now to come out publicly if Major League Baseball does not turn this around. And I can tell you myself, I mean, this is, this is a tragedy to somebody whose family came here from Cuba. I mean, it, to Cuban families, whether you're in Cuba or you're in America, if your family's Cuban, you know that baseball is like coffee. I mean, you don't live without it. Baseball's a part of my life since before I could walk. Um, but I won't be watching Major League Baseball, attending, taking my kids, buying Jordan, nothing as long as they have a tyrannical mandate and the people in charge who are responsible for a tyrannical mandate, I will have no association with Major League Baseball. And a lot of these players, um, they're willing to to sit out and go all the way with this because they feel that strongly about it. And I think it's an incredible thing that's happening. And we're going to see, we're going to see something special here. So Major League Baseball, if they're smart, they're going to get in front of this and quietly remove the mandate
1: quickly. I love that. I love that. All right. Here is a man I know you know, Florida Governor Heavy D, talking
2: about apologizing and not apologizing. I love this. I think he's got a huge audience. Uh, I think uh, a lot of the legacy outlets and I think the left fear the fact that he can reach so many people and so they're out to destroy him. But what I would say is don't give an inch do not apologize, do not cow to the mob, stand up and tell them to pound sand. If you do that, there's really nothing that they're able to do uh, to you. The only way they have power is if you let them get your goat.
1: Robbie, why don't more people on our side get this? By the grace of God, you get it. But it it seems like our numbers are so small, we still are so nice, naive, I don't even know what the word is.
4: Well, I think, honest, a real answer, I mean, I could give you a political answer, but the real answer is we have a lot of weakness in our country and in our world, and that weakness stems from the fact that we had good times for so long. Life was too easy, yeah. and everything was just, um, you know, let's say in the upbringing of this past generation, not... firmly rooted in reality. And so that leads to a place where people are afraid to be strong. They're afraid to stand up. They're afraid to have conviction because the moment it seems like anybody's feathers are ruffled, you're trained to apologize, essentially. It's something that, um, you know, was not popular in my family, though, because, you know, If you talk to any refugees from countries like Cuba, I mean, it could be refugees from really any communist country and you ask them, you know, the commonality of what are the biggest regrets of people in that country who had to flee or who left or who lost their lives, whatever it is, they're all going to say the same thing, essentially, that people didn't stand up when they needed to. And we're seeing a lot of that now. And it's why you see in those refugee groups such a hard stance fighting for freedom in America, because... They know what it's like to lose this, and they're screaming at at regular people to say, wake up and stand up for your country, because if you lose it here, you don't have somewhere else to run to. And I think that's one of the biggest points I try to drive home to people is that there's nowhere else to go. This is the beacon of freedom that people run to. It is no longer a free country as of now. You know we want it to be that free country again it's our job to preserve it for future generations it's not just gonna sit there as long as tyrants exist which is forever we need a segment of society that is strong that is willing to fight to preserve that freedom for the next generation so I think that there there is sort of a job we all have to do I have three kids and I feel like I have a job as a dad that's really critical to the future of this country and that's that I raise strong warrior children and those kids go into the world with a mentality where they are not going to apologize and cave to people who are offended by their sensibilities or their point of view, but that my kids are gonna stand firmly rooted in their belief systems that they were raised with and that they're going to defend them and they're gonna be trained that defending them is the right thing to do.
1: Robbie, if people wanna support you and they should, I do, where do they go?
4: Starbuck2022.com. There's a donate button up top. You can volunteer from any state. This is a national race. We need phone callers. We need people to have our back, but donating is huge because the establishment is throwing in millions and millions of dollars to try to keep an America first candidate like me from winning. But the good news is we just got polls back and we are in the lead. We are the people they have to bring down. So the attacks are going to be coming, but we need the continued support to be able to match them and beat them in this race.
1: Go get them, my brother. Robert, appreciate you. Thank you so much. Good man right there. All right. Coming up next. Final thoughts. I know a lot of this stuff is tough to hear. How do we go after cancel culture? How do we stop it? Well. We have to get aggressive, and you're probably not aggressive. That's probably not your nature. Look, I'm a live and let live guy. I don't even prefer to hang out with my neighbors too much. It's like, like maybe we'll get together once, but you do what you do, I do what I do, just keep to myself. So we are, it's probably why you believe what you believe. We cannot win that way though. Remember, as much as you love it, as much as I love it, we cannot live and let live our way back to freedom. Freedom is not something you acquire by practicing it. Freedom is a tangible thing. If somebody is trying to take it away from you, you have to stop them. They're trying to take away, I mean, gosh, freedom. They're trying to take away everything, and they will if we don't get more aggressive. We must, we must. For the sake of our kids and our grandkids, we must. All right, we'll do it again.